Hello, and welcome to KRUI 89.7, Iowa City's alternative radio station. And today on Bijou Banter, we've got a special treat for you. Hold on. Wait. No. For the it's Corona the break of Iowa, not Iowa world, State, Iowa City you know University, University of Iowa. You know what I mean. So, welcome to that. It's going to be a good time. In the studio with me is Lee Saylor. Hello. A new voice on the podcast, but we're super happy. And we're going to be talking about True False Film Festival, which Bijou managed to go to last, was it only last weekend? Yep. Probably the last mass public gathering in the United States for a while. It sounds like for, or it seems like forever ago that it happened. Yes. But for those of you who don't know, True False Film Festival is, let me just see if I can bump my headphones up real quick. I don't know how to do that. That's fun. Uh, True False Film Festival is a documentary film festival in Columbia, Missouri? Yes. Yeah. And we have a good time and we go and we're on Bijou's Dime and it's just a blast and it's super fun. How'd you enjoy your time, Lee? I had a fantastic time. It uh, was a nice city and saw lots of good movies. I didn't see any bad movies. I saw some movies where it was like not great, but they weren't bad either. So and saw some truly fantastic films and one unnervingly topical documentary from Romania. Which one was that? That was Collective. It was... about the aftermath of a nightclub fire where first a number of people had died in the fire and then a number of people who had survived were dying in mysterious circumstances afterwards. It turned, it followed some journalists who discovered that the hospitals had been using watered down disinfectant and that was resulting in serious bacteria to get in and kill lots of people and the government had known about it for some time, but had been covering it up through large-scale corruption, basically. Oh, my God. Yeah. How'd you like it? <laughs> it was very well done and very topical. It, like, it sort of shifted the second half. There followed a new minister who had no real history within the government or any of this, was trying to fix things, but was also dealing with populist parties outside of the government that were making insinuations about the fact that he had been educated outside the country, that sort of thing. And uh, it concluded with the election where the uh, populist parties who had overseen the fire and the watering down actually returned power in the election. Oh, my God. Yeah. And afterwards, the director, Alexander... Uh, Nanao, I believe. Yeah, yeah, Alexander Nanao. He was sort of talking about how a lot of the reforms that had been put in place have since been reversed and sort of talking about how populist parties can be very poor for public health situations in nations because they typically appoint people whose loyalty is to whoever the leader of the party is and are not necessarily being put in place for their qualifications. So... Yeah, that sounds about as topical as you could possibly get. <laughs> yeah, it was the first question from the questioner 
the true false questioner before audience questions was literally just asking, do you see any parallels between what is going on in the United States and what happened in Romania? And he was just explicitly yes and laying out why. I don't suppose that the documentary seems like an odd foreshadowing or a grim foreshadowing of the upcoming election. Uh, I'd say the uh, it's sort of hard to say just because you don't really know what's going to happen with the election or with the economy and lots of things. Uh, whereas for Romania, it's a slightly different history, only dem democratic since, what, 1990, something like that. Yeah. So, but uh, it was unnerving. And I don't suppose it helped the constant fear of coronavirus at all. No, no. Like, uh, the, it was about the biggest line to go to the bathroom and wash your hands after a screening, I saw. <laughs> That's so, awesome. Yeah. Yeah, technically, I still don't know if everybody at True False got coronavirus. Yeah, it's there haven't been any reports, but given the trouble with testing, it's sort of hard to say for sure. I'm mostly just thinking, okay, it's been a week and I'm doing okay, so... Yeah. Yeah, I've been Googling it nonstop just to make sure I'm not infected with anything. Yes. But at this point, if I am, it's way too late. Yeah. But we sanitize as much as possible. Yeah. I think all of Bijou probably went through two gallons of hand sanitizer. Yes, yes. So. Uh, yeah, what was, like, the best film that you saw at True Falls? Uh, that was like one of the best, although not necessarily most favorite, just because difference between best and favorite. Yeah. Uh, I'd say my favorites were either Dick Johnson is Dead. Yes. Yes. Or the uh, Crazy World, which was the Wakaliwood screening. Uh, but you were there for Dick Johnson is Dead. So yeah. You can tell people about that. Uh, Dick Johnson is Dead is the newest film by Kirsten Johnson, yeah. who directed another film that I really love called Camera Person. This one's all about how her father will eventually die, and she's just trying to like pre-process that grief in form of a documentary. How'd you like it? I mean, it's very funny. I should note that for the people listening at home, just because, or on the podcast, just because. It sounds sad, and it is, but it was also very funny. Yeah, it, the description of woman tries to pre-process her dying father's grief doesn't really sound funny. But like Jojo Rabbit, it can be funny. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's sort of like, I don't know, appreciate, sort of a combination of appreciating what's in place and recognizing the certain level of, I don't know, absurdity is the right word, but... Yeah, she really leans hard into the absurd, doesn't yeah. she? Like, especially when she's, like, filming her dad, quote-unquote, in heaven yeah. with, like, angels and dancing all around. And it's cool she was just, like, really having fun with her dad. And I feel yeah. like that really helped boost the film in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, at times... At times I thought it might have been trying to be a little too funny, like, at the end. Yeah. How how do you like that sort of twist ending type thing? Yeah, that was sort of a relief in a way, but it was also it sort of did surprise me about there was I sort of anticipated there might be something off just because in the context of the film there's a series of 
supposed deaths for Dick Johnson that are clearly very fake. And then one scene that's like in an ambulance camera on the floor doing uh, electroshocks, whatever. And, and that one looked real, but I sort of occurred to me the camera wouldn't necessarily be there. So I sort of thought there might be a possibility it was. But and then there is the fake funeral where he one one friend of his was having a great deal of trouble because uh, even the thought of his losing his friend was causing trouble for him. And then it sort of revealed at the end that actually he was still alive. And as of the conclusion of the film, he's still alive. And I can see how that would throw someone for a loop. Yeah, I, I kind of felt a little cheated by it, if I'm going to be perfectly honest. I can see that. Like, just because it felt so much like he was dying and like being familiar with Kristen Johnston's other work, it felt like the camera might actually be on if she was in the hospital with her dad dying. And, whew. On the one hand, though, I do see what she was trying to do with, like, trying to help the audience kind of pre-process grief a little bit. Yeah, put the audience in a separate place and from a sort of contemplating it to what they feel it would actually be like. Yeah. Just like the fake funeral. I feel like a lot of documentaries don't necessarily like make you feel what it would actually feel like in that way. I feel like this one has a very special relation to being able to do that in some yeah. way. But I, f- I felt it did that really well, even if I did feel cheated by it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's also going to be on Netflix eventually. Yes. And a lot of films are going to be on Netflix from True False. Yes. So when you're all self-isolating, keep these films in mind. Uh, I don't suppose you saw any other true-false Netflix films. Uh, Mucho Mucho Amore. Yeah. Yes. There was that one. And did you end up seeing Crip Camp? No, I did not. Okay. That's probably valid. That one's coming on like next week. Okay. Um, What was Crip Camp? Crip Camp was about a summer camp that the director had gone to that was like very pro, um, like, I forget the current politically correct word, so I apologize, but like, like people in wheelchairs and people with cerebral palsy and like it was just like pro them and then it was about sort of the history of them getting rights through their own system or like through their own protests and stuff. Really didn't have a lot to do with the camp at the end of the day. Um, And he dated the woman who like ran the whole gambit of, shoot, what's it called? Like civil rights movements for them. Oh. It did not focus nearly enough on her, in my opinion. Like a lot of it was about like him and his experience in the camp when like you have an amazing human right there. Focus on her a little bit more, please. Other than that, it was really good. And I recommend watching it just because it's not a story that really ever gets told anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. How do you feel about so many Netflix films being involved at a film festival? I don't know. Like, on the one hand, I'm appreciative of them financing things that might not otherwise get a chance. On the other hand, I sort of have an uneasy sense of them almost like getting a monopoly on this sort of what might otherwise be independent or documentary film. So it's sort of complicated. Yeah. I, um, 
I'm also sort of of two minds about it. Like, part of me thinks it's a little odd to have those playing at like such an underground film festival. Yeah. I mean, not that True False is underground. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. Like, yeah. yeah. Um. But then to have them be on Netflix later feels like, like I don't know, like they're kind of ripping off the people who don't have funding for their films yet. Like, feels good, man which is a documentary that was there about Pepe the Frog, doesn't have funding yet. Oh, wow. Yeah, and it was amazing. It just doesn't have, not funding, distribution. Um, I hadn't realized that. I sort of assumed that was one of the bigger documentaries, so I skipped it, assuming it'd be turn up somewhere. It should. It has to turn up somewhere. I mean, it's fantastic. On the other hand, though, I also feel like saying that Netflix or judging Netflix harshly for it is a little weird too because like HBO docs and Showtime docs sponsored True False. Yeah. And I feel like those are just the same sort of thing. Yeah. I don't know. All right, we're going to go into a PSA real quick. So get your public, I don't know, I was trying to go for a joke. It didn't work out. But we'll be right back with more Bijou Banter after this. Welcome back to Bijou Banter. We're still talking about the True False Film Festival that we went to last weekend uh sort of circling back to dick johnson is dead real quick just because i really liked dick johnson is dead did you ever see camera person no i did not okay um that's fine you don't have to have seen camera person i was just gonna ask because i highly recommend you go see camera person if I you will want keep it in mind for my quarantine <laughs> uh, i think it's on the criterion channel if okay. people have that um but yeah and dick johnson was dead like was also one of the few events that practically everybody in Bijou went to. Like we all went to the same screening. Yeah. That was so fun. Yes. I'm really glad that I got to go like with Bijou to True Falls. Yes. What was um like your favorite non like movie like thing that happened while you were there? Non movie. I don't know. I uh perhaps probably uh, I like coats and I got two nice long coats. So nice. there was lots of nice secondhand clothing stores and that was a fun time shopping. So Yeah, they had a lot of good shopping in Colombia. Yes. They had like a record store that was really cool. Yes. I saw lots of things that interested me, but I had to remind myself I don't have a vinyl record player and it would be a bad idea to spend money on vinyl records that I could not play. I see you thought about it one step more than I thought about it. I ended up buying the Flash Gordon soundtrack and have no means of playing it. <laughs> um, yeah. Also, uh, some of the uh, events were on the Mizzou campus. Yes. I don't know if you heard, but me and Manuel walked around Mizzou for like two hours the first day we were there. We pretended we were transferring. It was a hilarious time. We almost crashed a class, but we couldn't quite find one, unfortunately. Alas. Next year. Yes. Next year we'll definitely do it. It's a get promise. A, yes. Get a campus shirt and yeah. map, tra track down the class schedules. <laughs> We're going to do like a whole day of it. We're going to make sure to get like one class that we know nothing about. And it's going to be great. Assuming that the coronavirus hasn't gotten us all by then. Um, what was your best, like, or favorite non-film event? Because I know you went to a lot more of those than I did. Yeah, let's see. There were some, uh, I don't know, art galleries or art 
setups that I, were quite neat. There was the one, it was sort of looked like an igloo from the outside, but there were little lenses set up to sort of project the world, like bug's eye. It was very surreal and neat to see. The like, I forget what it was called, but it was like the Omni camera or something. Yeah. It was so weird in there. Like it looked like they had like a thousand little cameras set up to the outside world. Yeah. But no, it's just the inside of a little dome. Yes. And uh, I uh, sort of have a hard time saying with the non-film events, just because some of the things were things I was trying out and lots of people enjoyed, but weren't necessarily for me. And I guess I would have liked to have heard some of the more live music programmings that they were doing, but... Yeah, I wish I could have gone to a lot of those, yeah. but I think most of them. And the game show. I wanted to see that, but... Yeah, I think I wanted to go to that, but me and some friends were watching Mucho Mucho yeah, More then. I was there, so... Oh, yeah, you were. Um, how'd you like Mucho Mucho More? I enjoyed it. It was fairly... I saw on the standard side for a docu uh, biographical documentary, but it was a well-done example of it, so... Yeah, it was it, a neat person. So. It's an it's another Netflix film about. Hold on, I'm just looking it up real quick because I forgot who it's. Walter Mercado, I think. Yeah, Walter Mercado. Mercado. Uh, who is like a Latinx, um, uh, as TV astrologer type figure. Yeah, and um, he was like super popular and massive. And looking Extremely back... flamboyant. Yeah. Um, a lot of people thought he was gay for a long time. And looking back, like, now we'd probably use the term asexual. Yeah. But he never, like, talks about it at all in the documentary. Yeah. Um, he even goes as far to say, like, he doesn't have... Well, he doesn't even go as far to say he doesn't have sexuality. He says, like, why, why can't I be aroused by the wind and the air and the yeah. earth... What a man. Also, Lin-Manuel Miranda showed up in the middle of that one. Yeah, and right at the beginning, which I thought was a sort of smart strategy for audiences who don't know who he is, sort of setting up, okay, you don't know who this is, but you know who Lin-Manuel Miranda is, so. Exactly, like when I signed up, sorry. Yeah, no. Um, when I signed up for these tickets, like we just kind of got them because we figured like we need another film, Mucho Mucho More, like it, it looks fine. Um, and I didn't know anything about the person. And then like seeing Lin-Manuel, was like, oh man, this is a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> if Lin-Manuel Miranda's in it, then I gotta, I gotta watch this. And I did, it was really awesome. It did feel, I heard a lot of people say that it felt just like a typical Netflix documentary. Do you agree with that? Sort of, but I'd say it's like on the better side of, it was, I thought it was very well done within that framework, so. Yeah. Um, it did feel, there were a couple times when I thought they maybe could have paid attention to like the framing devices a little bit more. Yeah. Cause like at the end, like it seems like it's ending and then they go into this whole piece about an exhibition about him. Yeah. And I really wish that they'd sort of expanded that out through the whole film. Yeah. But. And then during the Q and A they were talking about like some of the things that they didn't include, like they asked him about his gender expression because nowadays, like we'd probably use the term non-binary, but he was like, no, my pronouns are he, him. And they didn't include that in the film. And I really wish yeah. that they had included that in the film. Yeah. 
there were certain moments sort of at the beginning when they were talking about him disappearing. It sort of felt like they were setting it up for looking for, what was it, that Richard Simmons one or something. And I was sort of glad it didn't go in that direction because I tend to be uncomfortable with those sorts of documentaries. But if there was sort of a moment where it sort of felt like they were slightly working on a certain expected template, but they went off that quickly enough, I felt. Uh, what film was it like? I don't think I've ever heard of that one. Oh, it wasn't a film. It was, a, I think it was a podcast by This American Life or something. It was someone who was wanted to know what happened to Richard Simmons, the exercise guy. And it was, I didn't listen to it, so I don't know exactly, but there were concerns about invading his privacy and that sort of thing. So, Yeah, that wouldn't have been cool at all. There was a similar documentary a few years back about John Hughes that I think went in the same way, where I remember I saw a bit of it and they were like knocking at his door asking to be let in. Ooh, that's super not cool. Yeah, so, but I was glad they didn't go in that direction, that they just sort of introduced him right immediately after. Yeah, I think if they'd actually like gone to search for him, that would have been a problem. And they told the story, or the filmmakers were there with a Q&A afterwards. They told the story of like, how they came across this and they found him like at an estate sale and they were like, we want to do this documentary with you. And the first thing that they, uh, he asked them was, what are your star signs? And I feel like given the film, that sounds exactly like who he was. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a sad story though, because he died not too long after they finished rapping on the documentary. Yeah. It was sort of nice. He got to see the exhibition and the recurrence and appreciation for him. Yeah, it's a shame that he's not going to get to see it come out just because I feel like it'll be all the more popular, especially with all the Hamilton stands watching yeah. it. It's a shame. What would you rate it? Uh, mucho, mucho more. I'm never quite sure where I'm, what I'm placing at a 10. So it was like, if a Collective was a 10 for the festival, I'd Say much more it would be like a seven and Dick Johnson maybe a nine. Okay. Um I don't know what a one would be in this context. So it's Yeah, there weren't really any misses at the festival. No. There was only there was only one documentary that I watched that I didn't like. And it was like it wasn't the fault of the documentary maker, it was just because it wasn't my thing. That was still slash here, which is the Chris Harris movie. That everybody else on Bijou adored. No. Uh, I, I wasn't familiar with Chris Harris's work. I'm not in the cinema department like a lot of Bijou members, so it was sort of interesting for me to see it. It was on the experimental side, but I guess I found it sort of interesting. It's considering of when I was watching it, I was thinking sort of in the context of opening up with that monologue about doorknobs and how one gets shiny and something. And sort of I guess the choices parts of society makes and how it shapes things in the long run. Afterwards, he was talking about the African-American relationship to time and place and space, which was a very interesting perspective. But at the time watching it, I was sort of thinking of it in terms of the choices that get made and how they shape the world. Yeah, I I really enjoyed the talk that he did afterward, um, just because like, I respect Chris Harris a lot. I'm not a big fan of his work, but that's just because I'm not a big fan of experimental most of yeah. the time. 
Um, as a whole, though, I like even with like the opening monologue about like how things change and stuff. I I just couldn't get into it. I really tried and I couldn't get into it. I can see that it was an unusual style and it was very different from any other films I saw that weekend. So. Yeah, it was very much just like still shots with sometimes narration over them. Yeah. It was the only thing I saw that was in 16 millimeter, though. Yes. Oh, I like the moment the projector started up and you could hear it and see it right in the background. Yeah, that was by far and away the best part of the whole experience for me, just like hearing the projector. And occasionally, like, I'd get bored and I figured out that I could check to see approximately how much time is left if I turned and I looked at the, like, film reel with the slats in it because however much light was shining through the slats that was how much time had passed. And I felt smart for figuring that out. I also felt like a jerk for figuring that out. <laughs> uh, what would you rate, um, what, what's it called? Still, still slash here. here or still here? Uh, this is why I don't like rating scales. I never know what's the object. Oh, we don't yeah. have to use numbers. Usually we do yeah. like okay, a jokey, good. like I rate it. Or like for mucho, mucho more, I'd rate it. 12 star signs out of 12 star signs. I don't know how many star signs there are. Yeah. Uh, okay, then I rate it as a good experimental film. Nice. There's much bad experimental film out there, but I thought it was a good one. I would rate it as a still image after a still image. It's, it's good. The lighthouse without actors. Exactly. That is exactly what it's like. If it takes, if the lighthouse took place in rundown St. Louis. Part of me hopes Chris Harris doesn't listen to this podcast just in case I have him as a professor. <laughs> but oh well, I'll just edit all this out. It's fine. It's fine. Unless he's listening live. In which case I'm doomed. I'm going to get kicked out of the cinema department. I enjoyed your film, Professor Harris. <laughs> I, for one, welcome our robot overlords. <laughs> Uh, and you saw City So Real, too, which was yes. a four-hour documentary. Yeah, it was split into four parts, so I think the intention is to be shown on TV at some point, but he, al but he also spoke of it being considered as one film, which was how it was presented. And this was Steve James, who was the director of uh, Hoop Dreams. This was sort of following the last Chicago mayoral race as a framing device, but it was sort of a portrait of the city, I guess, over a eight month period. It's uh, was, I found it was one of the best documentaries about politics I've seen, as opposed to a political documentary where, which I would characterize collective as being, which has a very distinct viewpoint. This one was just sort of about politics and about how people experience it with an emphasis on as it's experienced at the local level, which particularly outside of large cities, I think sometimes gets overlooked. Absolutely. Um, like I volunteered for a local election and no one cared. Like I'd knock on people's doors and they didn't know there was an election going on. Yeah, even though one thing I also appreciate was its emphasis on the importance of local elections and their consequences. A sort of background plot throughout it was 
the Lincoln Yards project in Chicago. Um, I'm not from Chicago, so I wasn't familiar with this before, but it was like a developmental project in an uh, area of Chicago, sort of not outside downtown, where <clears throat> there was concerns about uh, pricing people out of their homes and what that might result from in the development of the, pro the Lincoln Yards project. And it was sort of a persistent point throughout the film, how that was progressing and efforts people were making for and against the project and how it was being debated across the, uh, during the uh, mayoral race. Huh. And he sort of mentioned afterwards, the documentary ends with the election of Lori Lightfoot as mayor of Chicago, but there's sort of like a final narration with someone discussing the difference between running for office and actually governing. And someone in the Q&A afterwards was noting that the project is going through under her, which that that specific person was opposed to. So, hmm. Interesting. I really want to watch this. I just really don't want to watch all four hours of it. Uh, well, if it gets released in a series of episodes, you can. Absolutely. I'll ask you a few more questions about it, but first we got to read the weather. All right. Back to City So Real real quick. Did it earn the four hours? I thought so, yes. It uh, was covering an eight-month period, and it sort of, I think they may have done sequences. At times a map would come up of Chicago and all the neighborhoods, and I think... There were sequences interviewing someone in all 50-something neighborhoods in Chicago. Oh, wow. Like, and all from different points in society. Like, there was someone who walked dogs in a wealthy part of the town, and the dog's owners were never there, and they were basically taking care of them and almost considered them their own pets. Jeez. And it, there was... Uh, they, what was there was a, a sequence with some supporters. One of the mayoral candidates was a former police chief who had been either fired or resigned in the aftermath of the Laquan McDonald shooting, which was also an important part of the film. And they were sort of going on a hard, uh, the Chicago Police Department deserves more respect type campaign. And there, this was uh, at the relatively well-to-do home of some supporters of the police chief and sort of this, the camera was still running and someone made a very unfortunate remark about one of the African-American candidates running mm. and there was literally someone else saying the camera's on, don't say that or <sighs> it, which it was unfortunate to see, but it was also portraying the life as it exists, what sort of reactions people have. There was another one of the candidates that was followed was a man named Willie Wilson, something like that, who was a wealthy black Republican businessman and his efforts of appealing to the African-American community in Chicago. There was one who was a teacher who came in last place. He actually appeared after the film. He was sort of, uh, he came in last place in the race, but it sort of, came across to me as if James liked him, Steve James liked him personally and was following someone who was doing some uh, something that they knew was almost uh, doomed to failure, but still following through on it anyway. And so it was sort of interesting to follow that, but I very much felt it earned its runtime. Good. Um, 
did the shooting like happen while they were shooting the documentary? No, it was before the documentary, but the trial happened during the documentary. And so they were also following responses to the trial. Oh my God. That actually sounds like really fascinating. Yeah. Kind of sad I missed it. But also, that's four hours sitting in a chair. I don't know. Was there an intermission during that? Yes, there was Thank a 15-minute intermission at lunchtime for people to go to the bathroom and get food. That's so short. Yep, it was particularly with the traffic jam at the bathroom with everyone washing their hands. But Well, I'm glad you enjoyed the film. Yes. Um, yeah, what else did you end up seeing? Uh, I also... One of my favorite experiences was the uh, Wakaliwood screening, uh, Crazy World. Yeah. Uh, so for people who don't know what Wakaliwood is, Wakaliwood is a very specific genre. Uh, I think all done by the same guy, right? Yeah. Of film done by this guy in Uganda. Let me just look it up real quick so I can say his name. Uh, he did a movie called uh, something about... Captain Alex? Who killed Captain Alex. Who killed Captain Alex and then Bad, Bad Black, Black, which played for um, Grindhouse last semester. Wow. If you go to um, wakaliwood.vhx.tv, the website is incredible. It opens with a helicopter flying straight at your browser screen. This is awesome. I mean, would you like to describe Wakaliwood as a genre? Sure. It is ultra, ultra low budget, uh, typically like $200, I think is the max budget, Ugandan action movies. And uh, there is also a, uh, a narrator the, who most of these stars do not speak English. So there is a narrator who is sort of narrating what is going on and also giving their own sort of commentary with it, uh, sort of extra character in the experience almost. I'd say sort of similar to Mystery Science Theater, but not really the same thing. I think he's called like a VJ? Yeah. Like a video DJ? VJ Emerson, something like that. Yeah. Oh, and during the experience, they had a special filmed introduction for True False Film Festival about how they would be monitoring the screening for anyone pirating the film or anything. and. Partway through, the film got interrupted and red lights started flashing and the head of the True Film False Film Festival was there and the screen said, you are doing the piracy and he ran out the building. So, Oh my God. Yes. And uh, at which point they returned to the film, which uh, in this case, one thing I found really interesting was the first question was, it was sort of intended as a jokey question. It was, this is a documentary film festival, but... There's also blurring of lines between what is real and yeah. what is not. How much of this is based on reality? The assumption in the question I felt being implicit, this is obviously not real, but the film was about children being kidnapped for uh, ritual purposes and the children sort of forming an army to fight back against the kidnappers and also one of the parents of the children uh, coming in and wreaking revenge on the kidnappers. And so it sounds silly, and the film is silly, but he 
he was uh, Skyping in from Uganda and he was sort of saying, actually, this is something that happens in Uganda. People will kidnap children, uh, real estate developers will like pay people to kidnap children to use for rituals to ensure the real estate goes well. And he was actually doing this partly to draw attention to that. And also he wanted like children in Uganda to see this film to like literally see don't trust someone that comes up offering you something. And if they do try and take you, you can like kick them in the crotch. <laughs> so that's kind of awesome. Yeah. So that yeah. was an unexpected moment, but that's awesome to see. Uh, if you are interested in watching any Uganda Wakaliwood films, uh, I just looked the whole movie of uh, Bad Black. And I believe who killed Captain... Oh, no. Who killed Captain Alex is $4. That's fine. Um, from what I'm seeing on their YouTube page, Bad Black is free on YouTube. And I highly recommend it. We'll probably have a link in the description because they do hilarious, fun work. Yes. And if you enjoy it and wish to support this burgeoning film industry, they do have a Patreon page. Seriously? Yeah. Shoot, I got to go support that. I feel like Uganda has been getting like more and more attention over the years. I'm not entirely sure. I mean, not all of it's great because we just played a documentary called God Loves Uganda about horrible discrimination there. I shouldn't laugh at that. I laughed out of uncomfort, I should note. Um, I'll just cut that. I'll just cut it all. I control what you hear. They'll never know I said that. Um, but yeah. And then there's also like this, which is incredible. So, yeah, it's complex. But I mean, Hollywood's always going to be fun and fantastic and crazy. A lot of people went to that. Didn't Sal and Matthew also go to that? Yeah. Yep. I heard Matthew say that it was like his favorite screening of the entire festival. Yeah, it was probably one of mine as well. It was a very good time. I almost went to it, but me and Manuel went to go see Sunless Shadows instead. I had a ticket for that, but didn't end up going. How was that? It was good. Um, admittedly, I slept through a little bit of the film, but it's about these women in, uh, I forget where they're in. Let me look that up real quick so I don't spread any misinformation about it. But there are these women somewhere in the Middle East, and they've been convicted of murder uh, against like these men that were oppressing them, and now they're like sort of waiting for death sentences and sort of not, because like, they're in prison, but the prison's decent. And it's like a bunk room, but it's also still a prison. And it's really like interesting and really depressing just because you know that like there's nothing you can possibly do to fix it, even though they were like fighting abuse. Uh, uh, where was this? Uh, it was set in, hold on, I'm not wearing my glasses, so I'm gonna have to lean in a little bit. Uh, Iran, Iran. Um, yeah. And they have like these moments where they like film videos of themselves to send to their family and it's all super heartbreaking. And it's, there's some like shockingly upbeat moments. Like there's this one bit where there's a pigeon loose in the prison and everyone's like, just don't bother. Like it'll fly out. And one of the girls like hops on top of the bunks and like grabs it with her bare hands. And then it's like their pet and it's awesome. And then um, it still sucks after that. It was brilliant. It's directed by, uh, 
I'm definitely going to mispronounce it, so I apologize. Uh, Meridad Oskowe, and it's really good, and I highly recommend it. I'm not sure where you can watch it at the moment, but I'm sure it'll come out somewhere at some point in the future. What else did you end up seeing? What else did I end up seeing? Uh, uh, what was it? Talking about trees. I heard that was incredible and hilarious. Yeah, it was a uh, good one and kind of sad. It was about the uh, figure in the suit and also one of the more, uh, I'll explain. It was about a figure in the Sudanese film industry, which suit collapsed when after the most recent coup, which sort of saw the end of functional democracy. And this was a man who had been uh, uh, working in the Soviet Union so and was seen as in conflict with the industry. And anyway, he was trying, he and some of his friends were trying to set up a movie theater to show films in Sudan. And it was sort of about the process they were going through and things they had to consider like timing it so that the call to prayer wouldn't take place when because they were in an outdoor area. So they were, would time the film so call to prayer wouldn't take place in the middle of the film. Like they were saying, there was a very funny moment where he was saying his worry that he would have like a romantic scene and then suddenly the, the prayer call would go out saying, God is great. <laughs> it, but at the end of the film, the government denied them permission to do the film oh. or do the do the uh, theater, but and then the sort of final scene was them all gathering for one of them their birthday, and it was sort of sad but nice. And the one thing I was really wondering, this was one where the director wasn't able to show up, so there was no Q and A afterwards. Was sort of what happened after because. This was clearly quite critical of the government in Sudan in a very public way. So I was just sort of wondering. And there were certain elements that sort of suggested a change in circumstance, like the filmmaker, he went on, there was a small subplot about him trying to find his first film, which he made years ago and which had seemingly been lost. And sort of towards the end, there's a sequence where he chose him asleep and then it shows a clip from the film, so clearly he found it. So I was sort of wondering about, this was one where I was sort of wondering, one of the, another one where I was sort of wondering where what was fully real versus slightly recreated and what had happened in the aftermath, what was, I guess, being omitted. It, yeah. But it was very nicely done. I'm glad. I really wish I could have caught that one, but... I just missed it. I think I chose to go see um, Feels Good Man instead. And you've talked about that, so tell me about that. Uh, it's about, so there's a hate symbol called right. Pepe the Frog that did not start as a hate symbol. And it's a documentary sort of following the birth and death of Pepe the Frog and the artist that made him. And the artist that made him was very depressed obviously, because it was like his favorite character ever to draw and he was like super happy he created it. Then it was co-opted by the alt-right. And the, um, the film opens on like him drawing Pepe. It's like, is there anything you were, like don't like about Pepe the Frog, the filmmaker asks? And the artist is like, well, I wish he didn't hate Jews. <laughs> and it's a very like strong opening and it's amazing. And it's 
Like it needs distribution just because it's fascinating to chronicle exactly like how something so innocent became something so unforgivably hateful and it's fantastic. Yeah. I loved it. Honestly, I think they should probably release it for free on YouTube, but that's not fair to ask the artist to do. So, yeah. you know. No. They'll, they'll find a yeah. distributor. I think distributors are just scared because it tackles such sensitive subjects and it's still like funny at moments. Yeah. That sort of seems like the sort of, I'm guessing would end up on one of the streaming platforms. Yeah, I think Netflix might eventually get it. Or it seems like a Hulu kind of thing. Yeah. Maybe. All right, we're going to be back with our final talk about True Falls and then a quick update about Bijou events. Uh, after this, Grant Spot, the last DJ clicked Grant Spot before Corona break. So enjoy this one, folks. All right, welcome back to Bijou Banter for our last little segment on True False. Uh, what was the best Q&A that you did? I realized that this is a complete jump off of uh, Feels Good Man, but that's kind of all I had to say about it. Uh, I don't know. Like, it was slightly complicated to do just with the film being in Uganda and the internet connection, but I really liked the Ajiji uh, Nibana Q&A. Steve James was very interesting to hear the process of making a film like that. Uh, yeah, I'd say those were probably the two. What nice. about you? Uh, I thought it was for Dick Johnson is dead, just because yeah, Kirsten Johnson is such like an outgoing. Yeah, running into the audience, giving people the microphone. Oh my God, she was incredible. She was everything I hoped she would ever be. I'm a big fan of Kristen Johnson. I think she's hugely unethical in the way she makes some of her documentaries but I also respect the ever-loving everything out of her. <laughs> but that's all just because camera person. Um, I have a lot of opinions about that. And if we ever show it for Bijou again or ever talk about it on the show, I will definitely share all of them. Uh, did you see anything else or have we gone down your whole list? Uh, I don't know. Uh, there was one film that I just don't want to mention the name because it will sound like I'm being critical where I slept through the whole thing where that wasn't out of a criticism of the film. It was instead a fairly quiet film, and I was just very tired after the day of travel, and it was mostly just two people having a talk in a foreign language in front of a campfire, which was very soothing, and I just fell right asleep. So it, uh, yeah, I'm not naming the film just because if I say I slept through the whole thing, that sounds very critical, and I don't want to be critical of the film, but... Uh, I would press you on that, but I'm not going to. Okay. I also slept through most of an entire film. Uh, I slept through Time, just to name names. Uh, Time was a great film. It's going to be on Amazon eventually. Uh, apparently it was about the criminal justice system, which I did not know about when I signed up for tickets. The descriptions on the True False website, the opinion I'm about to say, is not backed by the Bijou Film Board. I should say that because True False cares about what we have to say sometimes. But... um. The descriptions on the website were terrible this time around. I felt like I didn't know about any of the movies going into them. That, see, that seems fair. They were, yeah. Yeah, like just to go on a real quick tangent. There was one that me, Matthew, and Manuel saw called Down a Dark Stairwell. That was about like uh, the killing of an unarmed black man in New York by a cop, but the cop was Asian and, um, or he was Chinese American and he like actually got convicted of stuff. And the Chinese-American community got really 
angry about it and they like they were right like he only got charged because he was asian but like they wanted to get him off the charges and african americans wanted to keep him on the charges it was all about like the conflict about that but when i signed up for the tickets i thought it was going to be about home invasions yeah just a quick constructive feedback there true false Hopping back to Mucho Mucho Amore, that was sort of similar. The description on the website, when I remember what I said about looking for someone who's disappeared and I was slightly uncomfortable with that, that was sort of the description they had on the True False website where it did not make clear it would be more of a biopic and he would be involved, but instead it seemed like a search for some formerly public figure who has gone off. Yeah. That's the only thing I'd change about the festival. Other than that, it was fantastic. Yeah, great time. Yeah. What was I talking about? I was talking about something. Time. Oh, time. Uh, and it's about, like, this family, and they have to live without, um, like, the kid's father, who's been doing jail time for a long time, and they use a lot of, like, old family archive footage. And it's brilliant, and it's super sad, and I slept through 90% of it, and I feel horrible but I was also very tired because I had watched like four films that day. Or I think that was my fourth film that day. Yeah. And I had one more to go. Yeah. I heard someone say stylistically it was a bit unusual, the film. Yeah, it was all in like black and white. And um, I don't know, like they were trying to make all the footage look a little old, even though some of it was clearly shot on iPhone. I don't know. And in terms of structure, it was just kind of... I can't really comment on the structure. I slept through most of the structure, but it felt weird, which is probably because I slept through it. Yeah. Oh, and then there's one more film I wanted to mention real quick, because I mentioned Down at Dark Stairwell, which was my second favorite film the whole time while we were there. If that doesn't get picked up by anything for distribution, I'm going to riot. Uh, another one was called Crestone, which is about like these SoundCloud rappers that moved out to the desert to just like smoke weed and record music. And it was bananas. It sounds that way. Like, because it was like their old high school friend that just came to film them. And so much of it is like faked and just performative. But like they're having so much fun doing it. And there's shots of like the guy that they hired to be the drone operator, who's one of the rappers, just like sitting back in a chair with VR goggles on and messing with the drone. And it's clear he's been doing it for like two hours. Oh, man. I loved it. It was fantastic. And they're all terrible rappers. <laughs> they have like some clips of their music videos in it. And they have like a Kickstarter or a GoFundMe to create like a perfect society out in the desert. They need $80,000. They have $0. They might be able to raise that money now. Everyone just isolating in the desert. Actually, yeah, that's a good way to stop Corona. And it's hot there. The disease will fail. During the Q&A, a bunch of people in the back were like, can you give us the link to the GoFundMe and their SoundCloud pages? And I looked back and I almost said out loud, did you see the documentary? They're terrible and it's a bad idea. But it was a fantastic film and I was the only person on Bijou who liked it. <laughs> yeah. Final thoughts on True False? Uh, it was a uh, fantastic time and I am glad it was held last week as opposed to this week where it probably wouldn't be held and holding it would be a truly terrible idea. Yeah, that, especially because Missouri got their first case of coronavirus while we were there. Yeah. 
which was terrifying. Yeah, I really enjoyed myself. I'd go back again. I did immediately when we got home pop in a fiction film just to be like, and now I can turn off my, I forget what I popped in. I think I popped in like, I think I popped in like Spider-Man Homecoming and I didn't finish it. I just wanted to have some like dumb action flying around my brain. It's a lot of films. I saw nine. Yeah, that's a nine or 10. I think it was nine. I ended up skipping my last one because we went to lunch with Chris Harris and Nellie Clues, which was a great time. Um, Nellie's been one of my favorite professors over the years. And um, afterwards, me and Manuel looked at each other and we were like, we don't want to go to this last one, which like part of me kind of regrets it because I wanted to see it, but oh well, I'll find it someday. Yeah. yeah. I'd give it a true false out of a true false. Same. All right. I'd give it a true out of a true false. Good rating. Uh, now is usually the point in the show where we talk about upcoming Bijou events. However, all upcoming Bijou events for the corona break have been either canceled or postponed. We're a little unsure of the details right now, but as per the university's guidance, we cannot have them anymore. So, instead, we are each going to give a recommend for a movie to watch while you're self-quarantining. I would highly recommend. What would I recommend? That's a good question, Calvin. Well, what I would recommend is The Farewell is on Amazon Prime, and I haven't seen it, but I hear it's good. It was my top film for last year. Oh, dang. Dang. I, that didn't even crack a lot of our top ten lists. Nice. And then uh, Godzilla is on... Criterion Channel. You can't go wrong with Godzilla. Yes. Uh, let me think. What would be a good... Well, I know on Canopy, at least with an Iowa City Public Library card and maybe with it for university students as well, uh, the seventh seal is available and it would be a very appropriate film for the moment. It is somewhat morose. It's it is the, like, chess with death film, if you are not familiar with it, but sort of set in the midst of the bubonic plague, but it's a good film and surprisingly funny as well. And it stars Max von Sydow, who yeah. unfortunately passed away recently, so it's a good time to watch it. Yes, and what would be another good film? I don't know. I... Enjoy Triplets of Belleville. I don't know if it's streaming anywhere, but it's a mostly silent French animated film about a grandmother trying to save her bicycle racing son who's been kidnapped by the mafia, and it is fantastic and amazing. Oh my God, that sounds yeah. incredible. Yes. So I don't know if it's streaming anywhere, but if you can find it, watch it. I'll have to check that out. I also hear Contagion is very good. Yes, yes, I've seen it, and... It was probably the bet, my pick for best film of that year anyway, and obviously it's getting lots of attention now, so. I also recommend reading Albert Camus' The Plague when you have a chance. Yes. That one's pretty good. Just like, I don't know, anything disease-related is probably going to be fun. Ooh, Connie Willis's The Doomsday Book. That is a very good novel. All right, I'll check it out. All right, I have been Calvin. And this is Lee. 
and enjoy the show, hopefully, considering we don't know when the next show will be.